This is BC Spritch, your look at the province's burgeoning distilling culture. What has happened in BC Spirits? Okay, so we started the official standalone BC Spirits uh, podcast last week um, with Quinn Palmer from uh, Rootside Cellar, uh, Rootside Provisions and <clears throat> Squamot Wall Company. So this week I decided to do a bit of a throwback. Uh, I'm going to pepper these old episodes through uh, the next few weeks just to sort of recapture what we did. This one's with uh, James Lester of Sons of Vancouver. Chances are I will probably be sitting down with James very shortly in the near future to talk about other projects that he's got on the up and going. Um, so this is a bit of a throwback. You'll hear Post Shift Podcast, which is my consulting podcast, uh, peppered through there as well. So there's a little bit of a throwback, um, but I thought, well, new audience, BC Spirits, why not do a throwback and use these again? So I hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, Tons and tons and tons coming along. Um, So uh, enjoy this week, guys, and thank you very much for the support. Bye. Okay, so we'll get started. So uh, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is James Lester, and I... I'm the janitor, the owner, and the <laughs> distiller at Sons of Vancouver. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think this is going to be a nice little BC Spirits mashup with Post-Shift Podcast because I think a lot of people, well, my main goal with Post-Shift Podcast has always been, I know you listen to a few, is uh, get behind like get behind what people are doing and why they did it. Because let's be honest, like everybody has this sort of like romanticized version of owning a bar or a restaurant or being a bartender or owning a distillery. Owning a distillery is the best thing ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you actually sit down with the people and get to know them because it's always... The interviews are always about, like, successes, never about massive, horrible failures. Yeah. Um, so how long has Sons of Vancouver been over for? Been over for four years. Just over four years now. Really? That old? Yeah. Man, it's four years have gone back fast. Yeah, we were uh, we were twenty five to open, twenty fifth to open in the province, and now wow. it's like somebody told me yesterday that there's seventy. Yeah, there's seventy three, and I think we have ten opening before the end of the year. That's awesome. Yeah, so like even in in Victoria, we've got James Bay still is opening, but they're going to be bottlers similar to Victoria Caledonia. Yeah. Um, of course, we've got Shelly Bespoke up in Parksville. You've got Misguided in Parksville as well. Yeah. So two in Parksville opening up before summer. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why I always love, like, I sit down and do the episodes and I, I pick a, a category and I'm like, I pick a category of spirits. I'm like, oh, okay, well, let's do fruit brandies. Like, oh, there can't be too many fruit brandies. I'm thinking, like, four or five examples. Yeah. And nine later, it's like, no. And same thing with just brandy brandy. It's a lot, a lot. And then liqueurs, I always thought liqueurs are still super underrated in the BC market. Yeah. And then I started doing liqueurs, and I'm like, well, I've got like a ton of yours on the shelf, and I'm trying to figure out, I may be doing three different episodes of liqueurs. That's just <laughs> good to hear. Yeah. Just because of your stuff. Like, we may have a one episode completely dedicated to coffee. Wow, man. It would be really fun to, like, like you can download the, uh, like, the LDB, or you can purchase the LDB, like, sales numbers. Yeah. It'd be really interesting just to, like, write out every craft product and like spreadsheet it just to see where like where there's like clumps and where there's gaps I tried to figure out a way because the one thing I really wanted to do was um, a timeline mm-hmm. of all the distilleries where the liquor board doesn't keep records of when they got their license yeah so I wanted to uh, if you go through the bottles individually yeah. you established <laughs> yeah. 2013 yeah that's literally what I wanted to do is like do a, a timeline of where everything opened yeah and when it opened 
but then it became a big nightmare. Like they sent me wow. through a couple of Excel spreadsheets, and then yeah. I was like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. This, is, this seemed like a fun idea that I could. I was thought literally like cut and paste sort okay I'm done now I can just put it into a pretty infograph I'm yeah. like no, no you're gonna actually go through and like look at each one email everybody individually oh man no, that's like running up cats yeah. so um what was what, what what made you want to do Sons of Vancouver what made you want to do a distillery um my uh like my business partner Richard um we went to trade school together and he grew up in Fort St. John um we we both worked in like Process control and instrumentation. Yeah. So out of high school, just had no idea what I wanted to do. And um, the career counselor was like, yeah, this was all up north. So uh, everyone's getting in the trades. And the yeah. career counselor was like, you don't know what you want to do? Go to the oil patch. You'll make a bunch of money and you can figure it out. And um, we both uh, we both worked there for a couple years. As soon as we got our, like, our journeyman certificates, we just quit. Um, and then kind of like left, did our own thing for a few years, um, but had this pretty handy trade background uh, in our back pocket. So we we kind of like milled it, you know, milled about on it for a while. And instrumentation is like, it has to deal with like the properties of flow, basically. So you're working in oil and gas, and I, I've never really worked in oil. It's like mostly just natural gas yeah. in British Columbia. Um so you're dealing with the properties of flow and that's directly correlated to like to actually like to alcohol um, and it's not really it's not really too far off from brewing actually so we we'd both been like homebrewing for a few years when we were like when I was in high school um, there was a teacher's strike and we just got like two weeks off in the middle of the year. We, we weren't old enough to buy beer, but we were old enough to buy everything to make beer. And this was like <laughs> just a fun summer hobby. <laughs> and uh, our second summer hobby, we called it. And um, I don't know, it was, it was like absolutely awful beer. But it was really interesting, like the, the process from going from like converting starches to sugars and then converting sugars into alcohol. And I always just remembered that. And we got into process control, um, which is distilling but on like a massive scale yeah. you're separating elements of the earth and like you're separating like you know, diesel from propane and stuff yeah. like that um so eventually we like we both just like we quit the oil patch and like bounced around for a couple of years i was bartending in australia oh. and um i bartended at the australia's only batman themed nightclub <laughs> It's <laughs> <laughs> probably after your time. You probably left by then. And um, one thing led to another, and like I, you know, I was living up in uh, I was living in Williams Lake, actually building log houses for. Uh, you ever see the you ever see the Timber Kings show? Yeah, you with that. I was in the pilot episode of oh, Timber wow. Kings. Um, so I was I was a medic up there building log homes, and uh, and I was kind of just like. You know, we'd seen, like, craft beer come up, and Richard and I had always, like, when we worked together, we always, like, talked about opening something, we just didn't know what it was, and uh, at that time, he was, like, he was moving back from Columbia with a gorgeous girlfriend and a cute dog, <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> he wasn't, like, he was talking about opening a liquor store in Calgary, and, um, and I was, like, what about, what about distilling, man? Like, let's think about it, and uh, we had, we had a massive Skype conversation and I convinced him to move to Vancouver and I had I had a friend living here and he's like I can get you a job at a coffee shop for $14 an hour plus tips 
And I was like, sweet, I'm moving to Vancouver. And um, I never took the job at the coffee shop, but I, I went to Capilano up here, yep. a small business course, um, with the focus on opening a distillery. And wrote a business plan around that time. I, I worked at a bourbon distillery in Seattle. Um, and a little bit at a Lemoncello distillery, which is where we got our, like, got our inspiration to do Amaretto. Um, <clears throat> we knew, like, you know, we had no money. Uh, we had a, a bunch of time to open the distillery. And so we kind of, like, you know, the steps to, like, opening a business would be you, you, you find a location, you yeah. submit your papers, you do the lease, you wait for the build-out, you wait for the building permit, and you do the build-out. And we were like, we were looking for a building, which is, I always tell people it's like the toughest part of opening a distillery. Um, we were looking for a building. So in the meantime, we had to like build the brand as much as we could yeah. because we had, you know, we had no money for marketing yeah. or like, or anything like that. And we needed to do it as early as possible. So that was when, um, man, it was probably like 2013 or something, um, I started the Vancouver Gin Society, and there was okay, yeah. there was already a, like a Seattle Gin Society. So we just you know we got a bunch of gin from them and brought it up here, and then we hold like tastings. And we that was back when like Long Table and Liberty were like really the and Yale Town were like the only distilleries in Vancouver. Yeah, shortly after Odd Society opened, um, and so we like we just tried to build this like you know. If this is your business here, we try to build this network around yeah. it to like to come at it from every direction, and yeah, and like a lot of the people that I met through the Gin Society, um, I, I call my friends today, yeah. like, and they're people in the industry. Wow, wow! So you opened up four years ago. Why? What was your what, when you first opened? What was your focus? What spirit was your focus? Because like you don't have a gin, do you? No, no. So like. You you have your vodka and your chili vodka, um, but what was your what was your real focus when it came to open? Because I know most distilleries they open and they're like, okay, we'll do a vodka because that's easy. We'll do a gin because yeah, yeah. that's easy. Yeah, the distillery we'll put down a whiskey that's easy. And you seem to go a different. Route. Was that the you went a different route and you went like, let's do an amaretto? Was yeah. that intended? <laughs> Definitely. Or, yeah, that was that was strategic. If you can, if I can use that word. Yeah. Um, was strategically that, making a craft amaretto in yes, Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, I had another one the other day from like Quebec. Somebody brought it in. Oh, really? The only other one I've ever heard of. Um, so in Seattle, um, I I used to run a, like I worked at a distillery in Seattle. Like worked. I, yeah. I don't have a American citizenship, but I would go down on Friday and I'd spend all Saturday and Sunday at the distillery. And I'd come home with my, like, duty-free limited boots, you know, like, that was, like, that was working. Um, but I did that, like, every weekend for a year. And wow. um, it started with, like, it started with, like, just mashing in the back, which is the most boring part of distilling. And then eventually, like, working in the tasting room and doing tours, and then eventually I got onto the stills. Um, but, like, I, I ran events for the Seattle Gin Society, and I you could see things like that. Like you could see that everybody wanted to be the gin distillery or yeah. the vodka distillery in Seattle. And at that time we had like, there would have been like 13 distilleries in BC, but there was like, you know, there was like 14 in yeah. Metro Seattle. Yeah. There was like 75 in Washington. Yeah. State. Like, like I always say it's five years ahead. Now we have 70 and they have 200 or yeah. something like that. Um, 
So <clears throat> there's a there's a limoncello distillery down there called called Letterpress, and um, to this day, it's like their their limoncello is one of the most amazing things that I've ever tasted. Everybody wanted to be like the gin distillery, yeah. and these guys were just like hand over fisting limoncello, <laughs> and like it was just such a it was such a weird thing. But I always remember that. And we we have a friend. Um, he's actually he's an investor in that distillery actually, and he's a he's like a financial advisor. And I remember. He's like, oh yeah, so you're opening a distillery, and and uh, he's like, what are you gonna make? He's like, well, we're gonna make vodka and gin and moonshine, and like, you're like, I, I shouldn't make that accent because that's what everyone says. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so he just started telling everybody, he's like, this is my friend James, and they're opening a moonshine distillery, and I was like, we're not opening a moonshine distillery, we're also gonna make this and this, and um, but like after his his heckling yeah. and, and seeing the limoncello distillery that's when we refought everything. And I think like everybody getting into this and like, I've sat down with people who write business plans and they're like, just look at the vodka numbers. There's a bajillion dollars of vodka sold in VC every year. And you're like, you should be making more money. You're selling vodka. But like, Man, there's so many vodkas out there. Yeah, you'd be like, surprised I'm talking to some craft distilleries now in BC who are like talking about delisting their vodka. Yeah. And not even worrying about it. I I was act, we were actually gonna do it this year. We were gonna stop selling vodka because it would be like it'd be so cool to stop selling vodka. <laughs> um, but like you know our vodka's good. It's a little bit of cream. Yeah. You know you're going to sell like a, a X amount of bottles at a farmer's market or something like that. You know it's just going to move. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And like, so the, actually the way our sales reps explained it to us was like, we were going to stop selling vodka and they're like, if you stop selling vodka, not only do you have to release another product, you have to like release another product that sells double yeah. just to replace the sales of the vodka. <laughs> and then it was like, oh yeah, you're right. Um, <laughs> and you can't make enough coconut rum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So the Amaretto came about, and were you expecting the success of the Amaretto? Because it, 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 I think that your Amaretto would be classed as your flagship, would you not? Oh, yeah, like, that's, sure. that's well, your, like When people talk about Sands of Vancouver, it's the number 82. More than 50% of what we sell is Amaretto. Wow. Yeah. Like, that's impressive. Consistently. And in, in like, December, uh, because we do the distilling course, like, I sit down with people every month, and, and so I go through, and, like... Um, in, like, June, you know, vodka, like, just the regular vodka might account for, like, 25 or, like, 30% of sales. Um, but then in, like, December, vodka's, like, 2% just because yeah. amaretto is, like, <laughs> it's not vodka season, but it's prime amaretto yeah. season. Everybody yeah. wants for Christmas. Yeah. So then that sort of leads through to your – when did you start your April Fool's release? Uh, it was three years ago. So the year, like we opened in March of 2015, mm-hmm. I think, and then the following April. April, yeah. So what was the thinking behind the April's full day? Um, so well, it's, uh, except for being absolutely epic, yeah. <laughs> it's thanks, man. Thanks. <laughs> it's kind of it's carved. It's it's now carved out like like where it's going yeah but when we first released it like the grab a bottle because it was blue curacao first right it was actually coffee with your sucks oh really yeah so I'll, I'll get closer to the mic um coffee look here sucks was the first april fool's day release and we didn't really have like we we didn't know where we were going with it it's like 50% of this product is like making fun of the distilling industry yeah. and the other 50% is like is just like it's just like a good product like it's funny it and 
Well, it's also it's also the things like every April Fools is getting a little ridiculous now. Every April Fools, every company brings out some sort of oh, April Fools marketing thing. Oh yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah like it's, the, it's, all pickle burger and all that sort of stuff. And you followed through on it kills you, me. you followed through on the, you followed through on the marketing. There's so <laughs> many people. Yeah, they, they just they invent a product and don't release yeah. it, and it. And it like you know people get excited about it or like you know, I I just stopped going on Facebook for yeah. April Fool's Day like it's <laughs> terrible, um, but we wanted to make something that was that was funny and like that people loved you know there's like um, I li- I listened to like an Elon Musk interview years ago where he's like there are no products or there are no companies that people love anymore yeah. and uh, and I think about that constantly that like. Like we could have just designed this product or like anybody can design a product and like put it on Facebook. But if you can like hold it in your hands, yeah. it's like, it's just money. Like it's so funny. It, it It's 10 times funnier than just designing it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so we always say we, we take our products very seriously. Yeah. We take our jokes very seriously yeah. as well. Um, so this was like, we, we ran this big campaign where like, um, my business partner just had his first son yeah. and we, um, you know, we were like April fool's release coming and we like, you know, took like pictures of like, I had coffee beans or something yeah. or the corner of the label or something like that. And people started to guess what it was. And then we, we ran like, um, we ran like a bunch of publicity with like scout magazine articles yeah. on, uh, on this release that's coming. But at the same time, we also promoted his like at that time, like, four-month-old son <laughs> as our master distiller and the, the joke behind this was like there's this guy in scotland who for like 60 years of his life has been like making whiskey and he wants to make like he's got this dream of like the best whiskey and that guy he calls himself a master distiller and then like in our industry you buy a still get business yeah. cards call yourself a master distiller yeah. in that order and we wanted to like we wanted to shed some light yeah. on the industry that we've chosen to be a part of. And coffee liqueur is like, it's one of those things that like everybody releases. Yeah. And it ironically, it ruins coffee all the yeah. time. It just does not go well with coffee. So we, we released this product and everybody thought it was a joke. Like I remember selling this, like we released it the first weekend in April and I remember selling it in like June. Like we had it for and people would come in and they'd see it and they'd be like, whoa, shit, like, I, I didn't think that was real. <laughs> and so then, like, and, you know, we, we sold it for, like, like 20 bucks a bottle yeah, just and tried yeah. to get it out, you know, like, it was supposed to be around for, like, a week and yeah. it was here forever. Um, but it, it, like, it carved the direction that this was going. And so then we have... This one was the actual one that I thought was a joke. This one I honestly yeah. believed when I saw it in Scout Magazine, the Blue Curacao. So good to hear. When, when I saw the Blue Curacao, I'm like, no fucking way. This is not possible. Yeah. Like, a craft Blue Curacao, it's just, no, it can't be done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then I think I reached out to you, like, hey, is this is this real? Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah. I'm like, fuck. So, so this was like, you know, this was the one that that formed the path that we're on now. It's... It's a craft blue curacao. It's a craft blue curacao, yeah. It's awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah, I'm going to have it on... Uh, I'm putting on the next menu of Pags. We're going to do Coles Rhyme Number Blue, which I know is very classic. Make sure you get your order in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, especially with 
with how everything's going with the container world. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna keep it because I was like, I just want to keep the blue curacao on the menu, and it just sells really well. I just I won't have a blender, but it'll be a nice shaken one up. And I think we're gonna do Kazuki Gin from yep. Sheringham, the blue curacao, the imperative, and lemon juice. Mm. So really, and then a, like a hardcore BC. Corpse Survivor. Do you got a you got a craft absinthe in there? Yeah, a little taboo. Oh, yeah. Check a little taboo in there. Oh man! But then, and then this year, your big April Fools one was the coconut rum. Was the craft coconut the rum? The craft coconut rum. Um, there is there's a big trend in British Columbia. Like so, everyone has to use as a craft distillery. Yeah. You have to use BC agriculture, um, and it's the thing to. Caramelize, ferment, and distill honey, and then put it in a used whiskey barrel, barrel agent. Um, actually, last night at the, the distiller's dinner, we had uh, we had the Wayward, and I think it was like it was like two or three years old. Yeah, been in a barrel, and it was awesome. It was yeah, there's, so there's good. Stuff. And I, I I remember going to see Dave when he first started fermenting honey and all the the things that he had to do to try and get it to work. He's got garlic oh, now. Yeah. But like I remember his hot room. Yeah. So he had a, an old cool room in the back of the building. Yeah. That he pumped hot air into and yeah. he would roll the forty four gallon drums of honey in there so it would stay runny. Yeah, yeah. And then he'd roll it out to mix it with honey mix it with water. Because he was doing it in big toes, like big, big toes. Yeah, yeah. On for everything. And now he's really got it dulled in. Oh, man. Yeah, because you gotta you gotta really you're gonna push it around and let the yeast like get into it. It's not. It doesn't behave the same way as like grain does. Yeah, like yeah. it has. It behaves completely differently. So it's a it's a honey rum. Yep. Did you age it at all? Or is it just straight? No. Straight? It's just uh, it's just white rum, uh, toasted coconut and sugar. We were gonna like. I'd really 100 percent expected to put like the um, the coconut extract, like the essence yeah. of sunscreen, in there. <laughs> um, but we we couldn't get. A little amount. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how to say that. Like, we couldn't get less of it. Yeah. And it was, like, it always just tasted like, like, just some weird chemical. Yeah. Um, either you had way too much and it was just, like, sunscreen or it was, like, this weird chemical flavor that you couldn't exactly identify. And what we were talking about is, like, a bunch of tiki guys came up from Seattle and bought just case upon case upon case. Yeah, yeah. The, the Blue Curacao, because they saw, somebody saw the Blue Curacao at, like, um at the Dark Manor in Vancouver, yeah. which is, like, the sister bar to the Shameful Tiki Room. And then, like, you know, Craft Blue Curacao, and they reported back to the Tiki community, yeah. and then um, and then we got into the Tiki community. And so they, they drove up and, and bought uh, cases of either. And you've sold out of the... You've pretty much sold out of the Craft Coconut now, yeah. We have, we have enough for this weekend... Um, we're doing another batch just like just so we can get it out to accounts. So okay. I feel so bad because people saw it and then just want it. yeah, yeah. It was it was almost like like we we'd done this whole thing where we release April Fool's products that actually exist, but then they sell out so fast that they don't exist to the people who want them as well. So so when it comes to like uh, we just did a walkthrough on the distillery and everything, and it seems to me just from outside looking in, is that you sort of have a rule of, like, unless I can build it, I, I won't buy it unless I can build it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it that's the, just the way it sort of looks. is like, I'm not going to buy XYZ because I know I can probably build XYZ. Yeah. Okay, so there's, like... The thing is, we, we opened this place for, like, 100 grand. Um, that if, we, if we'd stuck to that budget we'd still be producing the amount that we produced yeah. like three years ago. Um, 
and we we have to grow. Like either either we have to work more, which is impossible, or or we have to grow our, our scale. Yeah. And so we've like we've just gotten innovative with that. Um, I always think about like like opening any. I wouldn't exactly call myself a businessman, but like opening any business, I always think about like what do you have that no one else has, and it could be as simple as like. Uh, you have like a proprietary recipe. You have yeah. this really great recipe. It could be that easy, but like if you want to open a if you want to open a food truck, maybe like maybe you have a, access to a commissary kitchen yeah. where everyone else is paying for the commissary kitchen. Yeah. You have a free commissary yeah. kitchen, and that'll put you like that'll put you a little bit ahead. Um, I'd say like in in this particular industry, like at least when we when we opened up, we had this technical background of separating elements of the earth on yeah. a massive scale. And so for us, that was like, that was going to put us ahead. We had, we didn't have access to capital, but we had sort of access to like a skill set to a skill set. Yeah. yeah. To, to designing a lot of our own equipment and, <clears throat> and being able to like, actually like to change things. So like if, if we have an idea for continuous still, yeah. and it didn't work, we can at least like re-workshop it and try to figure it out. Yeah. Um, the sort of like a really interesting idea that that came to us in the last year is um, is if you open a distillery and you have really small equipment, uh, which eventually everyone outgrows yeah. their equipment in this industry. Um, if you have really small equipment, you get really good at it really fast. Whereas, like if you open a distillery and you have massive tanks, you might only be you know you might only be running your still like once a month, yeah. once every two months maybe, like especially when you open and. And if your if your product's shit or you're not good at it, it takes a long time to get better, and that's that's it's sitting on some bar shelf, you know, yeah. it's sitting on like a liquor store shelf for maybe a year. Yeah. So is that so? The reason why you started doing the distillery school? Yeah. 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 Because like we said at the very beginning, it's like everybody wants to own a distillery because it'd be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um. It's it's a sexy it's sexy to say it is yeah, sexy yeah. to say especially like, when you put master distiller yeah. on your business. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing as like in my in my world right now. I, I get I go through a lot of uh, oh you're an entrepreneur. I'm like no, I'm not. I'm not an entrepreneur. I just tend to do a lot of different projects for a lot of different people. Mm. <laughs> so is that they try and take away the sexiness of being busy all the time? <laughs> so what what what, what entails is that you do the story once every quarter, once every three months. Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah but four times a year. Yeah, and how many people do you usually have? We have a maximum of three. Oh wow! Yeah, I thought it was a little bigger than that. No, a maximum of three people. Yeah, and you do the full walkthrough, sort of showing the general gist and general running down of everything. Yeah, so we we do that. We actually do that like every day. Is yeah. that like just to wrap your head around what we do and and how you know, maybe when you first came in here, how you thought like a distillery yeah. runs. Um, we explain everything. We do that. We do a tour every morning. Oh, wow. Um, just a really, just not, not a down. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have, how popular are the, the schools? Um, we sell out, I mean, we're booked like every time. Wow. Yeah. So I, actually, I, I will say that there have been some classes where there's just one person. And so there's people that really are interested in doing this for a living. Yeah. I think I think definitely just demystifying the... Because people, if you Google distillery, you're not going to see a picture of your distillery. You're going to see a picture of some massive automated 
So you just yeah, go, yeah. Boop, 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 like a half a million dollar distillery. Yeah. yeah, and then where you go and everything like cuts itself off when you hit the heads, cuts itself off when you hit the tails. Yeah. Like you just you walk up a couple of hours later and you just pull off. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but the response is always good on those. Yeah, I'd say like uh, uh, maybe like to answer like like fifty percent of the people are come in just want to see if they would enjoy doing this, mm. and then twenty five percent. You couldn't talk them out of it if they tried. And another 25% come in with, like, a business plan and, like, like industry research. And this is their last step before they open it. And they wow. just want to make sure that, like, either they haven't forgotten anything or this isn't – they're not making a huge mistake. Yeah. And there's, like – there's enough of a – there's enough of, like, a tourism in distilling schools where, yeah. like, you know, you're, you're going to drop, like, half a million dollars and open a business and – turn your life around that like you want to go to school for it yeah and think people will take four or five different courses yeah even if even if it's a a reality check yeah for three days like i think that's always a big thing with bars and restaurants everybody has a like we said bars and restaurants always have this sort of mystique around it but then when you really get down to it you're like just before open your mail washroom stuff is plugged and overflows (laughs) or or something doesn't ferment the right way or something like that like i I think i said this to you the last time we we hung out and your ice machine died yeah it's like running a small business is just solving a series of small problems one after another yeah like i've been i've been popping up steelhead a lot lately because i'm doing a project with them and like it's it's insane because you are working with so many variable organics that are really out of your control so like they've been pitching the same yeast in a different batch like in the same batches of grain yeah. and they ferment completely different wild i think still had put post a picture last night of like their fermenting bubble just going mental yeah. like just going mental and it was literally i've been out there with three tanks all um done at the same time all pitched for the same style of yeast yeah. and they're all fermenting differently wow and it's it's crazy because they're full, they're they're very automated. They're pretty full on full spec sort of distillery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're amazing up there. But I'd love to go there and see what's going on. They're, they're, they're running out of room. Their barrels. They did twenty thousand pounds of apples over the snowy period. Really? Yeah. That's apple brandy, man. Well, they're the same. I'd love to know how many apples are in a bottle. I've always wondered that. Well, apparently, I just did the fruit brandy episode, and apparently, there's twenty four Bartlett pears in Okanagan Spirits Bartlett pear brandy. Whoa, that's a that's a lot of pairs. A lot of pairs. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what sort of advice? Like, look, we'll we'll start finishing up. What sort of advice would you have for someone who wants to be a distiller in BC? Hmm. Um, and you can't say don't do it. No, no. I, <laughs> there's a lot of people that say that, but I, um, anyone who says don't do it, it's comes from a different place. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, they're not in it for the same reasons. And I would say really know your market that there's there's kind of this idea that um, you know if there's a bajillion bottles of vodka sold mm-hmm. and you're just gonna shave off one percent of yeah. that that people are throwing this net into like into the market or the yeah. public and they're like hoping to like pull pull fishing. Yeah. But I I believe the way that the way that it should be done is is to find like is to find I don't, I don't want to say niche, but like is to find a segment of people yeah. and just service them really well. You know, like the, the tiki is an example yeah. of that. 
And <clears throat> to a small group of people, you want to be the absolute best thing. Yeah. But you don't want to be everyone. That's impossible. Yeah. You're just going to water your brain down. And it's to really figure that out. Like, um, that's why I find that's why I find that spreadsheet, like the list of distilleries yeah. and like the timeline that they opened and all the products that came out. Like, that's that's really interesting. I, I would say be, that it'd be a really massive infograph. Oh yeah, like, <laughs> start with all the, the originals and what they like, what they put out. Yeah, <laughs> then go to the, then just flow from oh, yeah, yeah, and the OG just like fruit brandies yeah. and then like. Uh, vodka massive gin spike yeah yeah vodka and gin like, but I do I do think the vodka the craft vodka thing is definitely waning because it is that how many repeat buys do you really get mm-hmm. on that one bottle of vodka yeah you know, like people people fall in love with a gin and love a certain gin um, or an amaretto or a craft coconut rum yeah <laughs> You know, like, I haven't had coconut rum behind my bar in a really long time. Like, yeah, so probably like, probably 10 years. Yeah. And I'm probably going to put it on my back bar and do something with it at PAGS for summer. You know, man, that's, that's, like, that's an interesting point. Is like, I was, talking to, I was talking to Steve Lee the other day from the Douglas Distillery. And that there's so many of us that have gotten into this industry. And then, like, you know, make the finest and highest quality amaretto and we're like we're servicing like i'm gonna say like cocktail bars yeah. or something and like you know i used to work in the trades and all of a sudden i'm a cocktailist. yeah well and i think that's the thing is we talk about it i talked about it the other day is like we, we get into our bubble of awesomeness like yeah it, we get into our bubble of awesomeness is like because we're always around the same people who are talking the same language and like craft beer and stuff but like when you really look at like when you get those spreadsheets of yeah. sales and you look through and you're like okay well you're still just a drop in the bucket yeah like what, in the grand scheme what, like out of that bajillion dollars of vodka yeah. like who's sitting with a frozen glass like yeah. waving it in the air and yeah. smelling it like it's the, a niche of a niche it's a niche of a niche there's and you know there's so many people out there like that drink fireball that drink coconut rum you know like the biggest segment the smallest segment of rum is aged rum yeah. aged rum is like 8% of the market and coconut rum sells more than yeah. aged rum in, <laughs> in BC anyway that like there's all these people that 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 aren't getting these products yeah. there's this massive segment that's not being serviced yeah. and it's People want fireball. People want blue shit. Yeah. People want coconut. Yeah. And um, you know, I, the, like the Monashi Distillery, like Josh. I was just gonna bring them up. Um, man, I respect that so much. Like yeah. people are like, they're making a fireball, but like, look at the market. Yeah. If you're gonna knock Fireball, Jaeger, and Bailey's off the off the shelves in Revelstoke, yeah, Monashi's done it. Oh my god. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, why not? Like, everybody's drinking Jaeger. Yeah. Chill Jaeger when it's winter time up there. Yeah, yeah. Guess what? I'm gonna freaking make the Jaeger variant. I heard they got the Jaegermeister machine. Yeah. <laughs> they rebranded it. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, like, why would you not do Fireball? Like, everybody's banging back cold up Fireball during snow season. Yeah. Genius. Take it up the hill. Like, yeah. Man, exactly. Yeah. It's <laughs> such a good idea. Um, and, you know, here here I am still making the finest and highest quality crafted amaretto but uh <laughs> yeah but amaretto said I was always going to be popular that's fair enough fair enough <laughs> we're bringing them back okay I gotta let you go because uh this is probably going to come out I don't know when this is going to come out I never know when it's going to come out I always pick and choose it just ends up being out when I put it out I understand BC Distills tech in our time right now today yeah tonight so I'm going to be at the trade tasting I'm really looking forward to my first BC Distill 
yeah, horribly enough, it's the first PC distilled. Um, but I really appreciate it. I love this place. If you, I'm going to do a little post edit on this one, but if you're down in Vancouver, make sure you come out and see Sons of Vancouver. Um, I really appreciate sitting down with you, but I know you're busy today. Oh, thanks, man. No, this has been great. This is awesome. Yeah. Okay, guys, uh, have a good week. Bye.